Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Action Network Podcast. 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 If you are even remotely a savage... You'll run these people over in a second. Oh! Oh my goodness! It's time! Hello and welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Sean Zarillo, joined today by Billy Ward. We're going to help you break down UFC Vegas. 87 at the Apex Center in Las Vegas, Nevada. Gotta be clear off the bat, this is not a good card, folks. This is probably the worst card I've seen from the UFC in a few years, but that doesn't mean we don't have things to bet on. However, this is also a very difficult betting card. A lot of favorites, minus 300 or higher. One of the most heavily juiced favorite cards I've seen in quite some time as well. And in the past few weeks, past few UFC cards, favorites outside of the co-main and main events are 25 and up. So expecting to see... The favorite streak continue here. Maybe there's some underdog that we're going to find who we like to upset their opponent at odds this weekend. And Billy, we're going to start things off the main event. Jairzinho Rosenstrike against Shamil Gaziev. Rosenstrike been five rounds on a couple of occasions. uh, Secured a knockout late in the fifth round in one of his fights as well. Gaziev, I believe, has never been out of a second round in his professional career. He is the big favorite in this matchup. Not a big favorite in this matchup, but sitting around minus 175 to minus 185. Uh, some books yesterday, he was closer to minus 150, minus 165. So this number has actually gotten bet up a little bit. The over under one and a half sitting at plus money to the over. Gaziev, as I said, does tend to finish his opponents pretty quickly. But Rosenstrike is good at surviving and good at sort of um, delaying the fight, stalling the fight out until he's able to get it a little bit deeper and even though his cardio, his durability isn't quite what it used to be as he continues to age, he's definitely a better striker in this matchup. He's the more powerful striker in this matchup. And if this is on the feet for any extended stretch of time, I think he's absolutely going to be live to pull the upset. Really powerful leg kicks, very powerful hands. And I think he's the cardio advantage too. Gaziev is going to be trying for takedowns early. He might get them. He's probably going to get them in the first round. But I don't necessarily think he's going to finish Jairzinho. He's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, nowhere near on the level of a guy like Jailton Almeida, who's able to quickly finish Jairzinho. Doesn't have the same knockout power as a guy like Francis Ngannou, who, again, was able to quickly finish Jairzinho. But he's probably going to get top position, and he's going to be able to threaten to finish this fight early. 
I just think Jairzinho is going to be able to survive for those five minutes, get it to the second round, get it back on the feet, and then potentially look at for a knockout from there. I'm going to be looking to live bet Jairzinho live after round one, maybe live after round two as well. The longer this fight, fight goes, I think the better it should play out for him. Uh, just considering, you know, we've seen Gaziev extended once, went to a split decision and did not look good doing so. And that was just a couple of years ago. So Gaziev, the pre, pre-fight justifiable favorite, uh, going to be targeting a live bet on Jairzino Rosen strike after round one, after round two. In terms of a bet, I do like the over one and a half. Was able to find as high as plus 165 if you shop around. So make sure to shop for the best number because you can find as low as plus 135 and as high as plus 165. Billy, I believe you have the same read on this fight as me. You also like it to go longer, and you're actually considering it to go the distance. Yeah, I was really glad to see you were seeing the same thing I was with that. It's just, Jair's eating a Rosenstruck. He's got big power, and he can knock people out, but he's not looking for it right away. He's not rushing forward, trying to throw bombs. And I feel like we have this narrative that Gaziev is this like young prospect that the UFC is trying to build up. He's like 18 months younger than Jair's eating a Rosenstruck. So that doesn't really lend too much credence to the you know this old withered fighter who's on his last legs against this young prospect they're both 35 and 36 like it's similar the other thing that i think it's almost like we're assuming we being the general market that gaziev is going to take him down and just dominate him on the ground and i think that's just because he's from dagestan i don't think there's really anything on his record in or outside of the ufc that suggests that like no takedown attempts or takedowns in his contender series fight, although he won it by submission, but that was because his opponent wrestled. Standing TKO in his first UFC fight, most of his wins on his record are knockouts. I don't know that we see this massive grappling advantage because he's fighting some guys no one's ever heard of in random regional shows when he's got those submissions. So, yeah, I'm with you. It's partially a bet on both guys respecting the power of each other, playing at a distance, kind of taking their time. And it's partially a bet on just this one being closer than people think it's going to be. I don't see Gaziev is just rolling right through someone. Roizenstruck was a UFC main eventer before Gaziev ever had like an amateur MMA fight, like much less a pro fight. Like this is a massive step up for the young fighter. I see what the UFC is doing here. They're trying to make him a thing just because they need anybody at heavyweight to make the division interesting. I don't think Roizenstruck's at that point in his career yet where we can just build, build stars off of his name. So Love the over one and a half, as you mentioned. Small sprinkle on goes to decision at plus 750. The thought on that is if it goes over one and a half and we get into the third, fourth round, there's some big boys. They get tired. They're just leaning on each other against the fence for the final 10 or 15 minutes. Obviously, would prefer to only have three rounds to deal with if we're making that bet. But just as a fun sprinkle on what you mentioned, it's not a great betting card. I'm going to answer the question that Brendan would be asking here. You know, We say it's a bad fight card to watch. This one's also kind of a bad one to bet with all the heavy favorites. So... On a card like this where we don't have a lot to look at, yeah, I'll take a little sprinkle at plus 750. You interested live at all on Jairzinho? A little bit. I kind of want to see how it goes. Just I, We talked about it with a couple fighters last week. Like One guy we know he's got good cardio in Jairzinho. Gaziev, we don't know that he has bad cardio necessarily. It's just more of a question mark. So that's one of those that I'm not going to come in with the plan on that. But if I see something with it, it's going to be more of a read read and react as the situation goes and with this one starting at like noon eastern time i'll be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for that one so it's, it's a better live betting spot than some of these that finish it one in the morning yeah the the mexico city card the way the cardio played out last week kind of interesting uh it seemed like fighters who normally tire were not tiring quicker or more than they normally do but the fighters who normally have good cardio seem to be tiring out just as much as the guys who 
tire. So uh, the cardio dynamics of this fight's kind of played out very interesting. Uh, this card, this UFC card on Saturday does start, as Billy mentioned, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. So got to get those bets in early and at least get to enjoy some of these fights during the daytime. Can still go out and enjoy your night. Now, number of underdogs on this card, as we mentioned, going to see if we could find one that we want to play in a minute. I have one that I like here at our Friday of the night between Muhammad Makayev and Alex Perez. Billy, I saw on your luck ratings earlier this week. You mentioned Makayev. It told people to get on him early. His line jumped substantially uh, from minus 250 to minus 350, something like that. I mean, a huge move. I see him sitting as high as minus 375 now, open closer to minus 275. You know, at this price, I think it's getting a little bit disrespectful towards yeah. Alex Perez. Plus 300 or better, I'm probably going to have to jump in on Perez. Um, Alex Perez has only lost to the best of the best. Davis and Figueredo, Joseph Benavidez, guys who are champions, and uh, Alexander Patoja. He was considered by many to be the best flyweight in the world for a little bit. And he took that flight, fight with Figueredo on short notice, uh, which kind of, you know, scars his run and his his ascension up the flyweight rankings. One big issue with this guy is problems making weight. And we need to see weigh-ins and how he does today because he struggles to make 125 pounds. He's pulled out of a number of fights, uh, either where he didn't make weight or where he wasn't going to make weight leading up to the fight and just sort of canceled about. And he's also had opponents pull out on him too. I believe in the past two or three years, Perez has 10 canceled bouts and two actual fights. And those fights did not go particularly long either. That said, I think he's the more skilled fighter at this stage of his career. He's the better striker. I think he's the better wrestler. Makayev is the better submission grappler. Perez, for all of his skills, tends to have a fault in getting submitted. Now, the thing with Makayev and the reason why I think he's going to lose eventually, he's trailing on his scorecards in his past two fights. He gets takedowns. He has a very aggressive style. He's really good at sticking to opponents and controlling opponents, but he doesn't land any ground and bound. And in terms of judges' optics, you know, the, the Victor Altamirano fight last week, you have to actually do something with the takedowns now at this level, at, at this, in MMA scoring in 2024. You don't, you don't get away with just getting takedowns and holding position or threatening a submission. You actually need to land strikes and do damage. And as a result of that, even though Makayev was having success in his last two fights, he needed to finish them or he would have lost on scorecards to Malcolm Gordon and Tim Elliott. Both of those fighters were ahead at the time Makaya finished them. So I like Perez here on the money line. I like him by decision at plus 600. I think if this fight goes to decision, I'd probably favor him to win. Uh, and I would, for that reason, probably look to bet him in decision-only markets too. Makayev is getting there, but he just doesn't land enough damage. His knee got shredded two fights back. We don't really talk about that much, but I don't really know what the after effects are from, you know, pre-knee injury Muhammad Makayev versus not tapping to a knee bar and getting his knee completely blown out and continuing to fight through that. I don't think this guy is the same athlete that he was two years ago. So somebody's going to beat Muhammad Makayev eventually. I think if he wins this fight, they're going to give him a try to give him a title fight uh, against Pantoja at UFC 301. I think Pantoja smokes him. But I like Perez to pull the upside on Saturday if he makes weight. And uh, I think do it by decision is a pretty good bet as well. So plus 600. Perez by decision. I agree with the early line movement, obviously, that Billy got. But at this point, I think it's just getting a mm-hmm. bit too disrespectful towards Alex Perez. Uh, Billy, I know you're on the other side here with Mikhaev. Uh Tell the people how you break it down differently. Yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely, actually. Like, I would, I certainly wouldn't play his money line at this point either. I'm considering just arbitraging out and taking, you know, as big plus money as I can get on Perez and just taking my money either way. But 
couple points to the knee bar less than a year ago. That was against Jeff Alfilio. It's not even two years ago, but he has fought since then. I think because it was a straight knee bar rather than like a rotational lock, like a heel hook or something twisting, those usually aren't quite as bad. And mm. he seemed super flexible. So you can kind of flexible your way out of that one. Where if you get stuck in a heel hook or anything twisting, it doesn't really matter who you are. Your ligaments, your ligaments can't be flexible, but you, you know, your knee can. So that one, I'm not as worried about that. He didn't look as good against Tim Elliott, but nobody looks good against mm. Tim Elliott because he's just yeah. such a weirdo. I do agree with you with the way he fights though, is it's, he's going to run into someone where that submission doesn't stick or someone like him who just powers through the submission and lets you take his arm. And that's going to catch up with him. I just don't think that person's Alex Perez. The UFC is trying to make Mokayev a title challenger. They need somebody at 125 because the second best fighters have both already lost to the champ. Perez is kind of one of those perfect matchups. You know, his three losses, as you mentioned, were all the top contenders. All three losses came on the ground, twice by submission, once by ground and pound. If you're trying to pick, you know, a top five-ish fighter that will make Muhammad Makayev look good in the safest way possible, it's probably Alex Perez, honestly, like of all the guys in that range, ranking-wise. And especially after they did him no favors, giving him Tim Elliott in the last one, they kind of need to put some shine back on. So with all that said, you know, Makayev by submission at plus 150 – Unless he takes a newfound interest in ground and pound, he kind of needs a submission to win. Like, that should be considerably closer to his money line for all the reasons you just pointed out. So, like that at plus money. Love the Alex Perez decision-only line. That That's a great read as well. And, again, if I had to take a money line side right now, I'd probably be with you on Perez. I think it's close to right now, but probably gone too far in the Mokayev direction. So just to be clear, this card was originally supposed to take place in Saudi Arabia, so you could see all of these fighters from that region, from the Middle Eastern region, are heavily juiced up on this card and seem to be given, you know, soft, winnable matchups. They were the clear A-sides in a card that was supposed to take place in the Middle East. So just worthy of consideration. But yeah, I just think the pricing on this fight has blown out a little bit too far. And I think Alex Perez certainly values that at plus 290. I'll probably wait for plus 300. It looks like it will get there. Uh, Let's move on to our favorite underdogs of the card. Obviously, I just talked about Alex Perez. I think there's two underdogs, though, worth actually targeting that are closer to a pick em fight. Uh, Billy's going to talk about one of them, so I will not spoil it. But just note, I show you know how I project these fights. I show value on two underdogs on this card. One of them is the one Billy's going to talk about. I'm going to leave the fight breakdown to him. I will talk about Bernardo Sopai, who's going to be making his UFC debut here. This fight against Vinicius Oliveira, both of these guys, debutants, this is what I would bet to be the fight of the night. I know we just talked about Makayev and Perez being the fight of the night. That's the fight with the most implications for future rankings. Makayev may get a title shot, or Perez could even get a title shot off of a win in that matchup. Oliveira and Sopai is going to be nuts. And Vinicius Oliveira is a guy who's probably going to win a lot of performance bonuses in the UFC if he sticks around. Very aggressive, no defense. Um, and he has a big size advantage in this fight. And that's, that's the one angle that I'm a bit skeptical about betting Sopai here, especially right now, prior to weigh-ins, uh, the line has come in drastically. I mean, Sopai was as high as plus 115, plus 125, even higher than that, plus 130, I think, came down to a pick him last night. I think it may blow out again because Oliveira is four inches taller, has a four inch reach advantage. When these two line up at weigh-ins, I think he's just going to look noticeably bigger. And even though he's the more aggressive fighter, I think Sopai is just a much more technical man and trains at all-star MMA in Sweden. Uh, same gym as, you know, Hamza Shamayev, really well-trained. Um, 
I think he's going to have the better game plan. I think he's going to be calmer. I may actually like him from a live betting perspective because I think he may lose the first round and work his way back into the fight. But in terms of guys I would consider betting at plus money this weekend or I think have a chance, you know, to pull off the upset. Obviously, the shortest underdog on the card, Bernardo Sofi, but I actually think he's the value side worth betting in the fight. And I have math, you know, I have projections that make him a 50% uh, bet in this fight or even a slight favorite. So Sopai for me, the underdog I may end up playing. Uh, Billy, you're going to go with Loic Rajabanov, who's actually a fighter that you made your best bet against, I believe, in his last fight. That's true. Wow, that is an incredible callback because I was yeah. going to reference that, but didn't think anyone would talk about that. Mateus Rombetsky too much. He just sticks in my mind. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, so that I mean, that's a big part of it is we've seen Rajabov twice in the UFC. Once he got 11 takedowns, got clipped in there, but mostly cruised to a unanimous decision over Esteban Rebovich. That win has aged well because Rebovich went out and looked really good in his follow-up fight. And I just think Rombetsky is really good. Like, Rombetsky smashed him. You know, I took him an under two and a half, cashed pretty easily at plus money in that fight. But I just, I think that says more about Rombetsky than Radzibov, who I'm pretty high on as well. He's fighting Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi. He's a contender series fighter. Al-Sawadi was a big underdog on the contender series, yep. like four or five months ago against George Hardwick, who I thought was ridiculously overrated in that spot. Plus 340. So it, was, it was that, yeah, I couldn't remember exactly how high it was, yeah, but I knew it was significant. I think that says more about Hardwick being a little bit overvalued than it was like, oh, wow, Abdul Karim Sawadi so good. He won a decision, but it wasn't like crazy impressive, you know, outstruck him by 15 and got one takedown. That's at the contender series, right? Like, I don't think this is going to compare the same way. So then looking at Radjabal's record, is Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi closer in ability level to Esteban Rebovich, or is he closer to Mateusz Rombetsky? I think that's a pretty easy question to answer in, in that it's generous to say he's closer to Rebovich than it is, you know, a fair comparison. So getting the kind of plus money we are on Radjabal, I think it's actually increased just a little bit throughout the week, too. It, it's moved up and down at different points, but... Yeah, I really like that at the price we're seeing now, um, plus 160. Don't really have a particular method of victory. I could see a knockout. He's you know, kind of a short, stocky guy with some big power, but also likes takedown. So plus 160 is enough for me. I don't feel the need to reach on any kind of method of victory. Are you seeing anything else on that one that you wanted to add? So the, the projections stay over. Their chins, to me, you know, tend to lean under. Roger Bob knocked out six months ago. Uh, Kareem Al-Sawadi has been knocked out three times in his career. You know, normally 155 pounders with knockouts on their records regionally. I get a little bit skeptical at the USC level that they can handle the power. But I do like Rajabov, especially Rajabov pre-fight. And I think you could maybe live bet out of it with Al-Sawadi after round one. The one angle that concerns me is the cardio. I think Al-Sawadi has the cardio advantage. But I favor Rajabov to win the first round and to land takedowns and to land the harder strikes. So pre-fight, absolutely want to be on Rajabov. I think live, I might tend to buy out a little bit on Al-Sawadi after round one. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I lean to the fight. Uh, you know, the my projections say to lean to the fight going to a decision. Rajabov winning by decision. But my read on it says somebody gets finished. And honestly, I think Rajabov is more finishing upside. So if I'm betting the underdog, I don't want to bet the over two because uh, I think those are sort of going against one another. So... Yeah, Rajabov and the under by knockout is where I'd I'd probably lean in terms of a, a visual read on it. Uh, just 155 pounds knockouts regionally, it just doesn't translate well. So, 
Uh, yeah, and, and Radzibov is not built like a guy who you would expect to have good cardio, which isn't to say that we know he has bad cardio, because there's someone I'm going to talk about later on in this card, people we've talked about in fights past are like, sometimes that doesn't matter, but usually these short, stocky, super muscular guys, you don't really think of them as cardio machines. So I think that's probably a fair read. And this card, like given all the variance and how little we know about these guys, almost any spot, or if I can get plus money on both sides with a live bet, like I'm just going to take it on this one. Let's not overthink this one and try to get too cute and thread the needle on all these perfect spots. Like if you can lock in a profit at any point in these, I would strongly recommend going for it. Yeah, and the last thing I want to mention, just in regards to Radzibov's cardio, he doesn't have great control. You, you see that uh, that went over Rebovich. He had to shoot 21 takedowns. When you land a lot of takedowns, it's great, but also that means that your opponent probably got up eight times. So seeing a lot of takedowns for a fighter, like that Marab style, you know, only so many fighters can keep that Marab pace of shooting, you know, five takedowns around, ten takedowns around. Eventually, guys do fall off a cliff. So, uh, yeah, not everybody can maintain that style. Uh, curious to see how that first round goes, but I think it should favor Rajabov. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Let's talk about our favorite props on the card. I bet four totals on this card so far. I've not bet a single money line yet. We did talk about some fighters I may bet on the money line. Just want to see where the prices go prior to fight time. But in terms of the totals that I like on this card, I saved one for best bet. We're going to talk about two other ones right now. Umar Nurmagomedov against his opponent. Uh, I don't want to mess up this name, but this guy's a debutante. Bescott Almakan. Almakan had some stuff come out yesterday. That is very interesting. We've had fighters in the UFC in the past who have had fraudulent records. Khan seemed like he might be a guy who has a fraudulent record. If you watched any tape on him this week, or if you don't watch tape and you just want a funny tidbit, I saw some tweets this week, like laugh crying emojis, you know, the tape on Raj or the tape on uh, Khan. can't wait to watch it. They're literally fighting on like rugs inside of like a mat. I mean, it's like like Persian rugs inside of like a matted area. I've never seen fights set up like this. So sure dog investigated his fights, his records. 
And they actually found that this guy might be more legit than his record indicates. He has a 17-1 record. They had to take a few fights off of his win-loss record. I believe he's now coming in at 14-1 officially. But that's just because some of the fights he was competing in were not official MMA fights. It was a different like subset of rules, and they can't officially qualify it under MMA rules. That's that. He has a winner over Sergey Morozov. That is not on his record officially. That makes him like an even more legitimate fighter than he already seemed to be based on the film. So uh, Umar Nurmagomedov, you know, probably the best 135 pounder on the planet. Maybe uh, certainly has you know an argument to being so based on the skills we've seen so far. He looks phenomenally talented. I think he will have the belt eventually or at least compete for it at some point in the future. Maybe a fight with Marab down the line, uh, potentially lining those two up. But a minus 1,200 prohibitive favorite on this card, and that's the best price available. I actually like this fight to be a little bit more competitive than that line would indicate, though. The over one and a half rounds at minus 160 would bet that up to about minus 180. Umar is... Odd because he he has some quick finishes on his record, but he also has Piotr Jan disease where he doesn't necessarily engage his opponents for the first three or four minutes of the fight. He likes to get his reads, uh, approach his opponents patiently, and then sort of go to work. And as a result of that time ticking away, it just lends itself more to the overcashing. So based on the money line, based on you know the short notice nature of his opponent who has like a quote unquote fraudulent record. You would think Umar would finish him, you know, on the first exchange. I actually think this is going to be more competitive. And I think Bexot has the potential to be one of these guys who overachieves against the huge favorite. And then he's heavily favored in his next fight. And we have to bet against him. So Nurmagomedov, Almakan, over one and a half at minus 160. And then another short notice debutant on this card, AJ Cunningham. Uh, again, Ludovic Klein, minus 900, minus 1,000, depending on the book. Cunningham got destroyed on Contender Series, and he's a kid with a very sympathetic story. Uh, awful childhood. I think he's Bryce Mitchell's cousin, so there's some connections to getting him, trying to get him to the UFC. But based on his Contender Series fight, this kid has no business sniffing the UFC. He's coming in as a short-notice replacement here. I think Klein head kick knocks him out in the first round, uh, puts him in serious danger. The one thing with Cunningham is he's super durable, like too tough for his own good. I would hope the ref does not give him too much leeway, considering this is a fight that probably shouldn't even be sanctioned. And Ludovic Klein is like a, a legitimate top, you know, 25 uh, fighter in his division. So Klein, uh, Cunningham, under one and a half, you can get that at plus money. Like that to about minus 110. I think Klein finishes him in the first half of the fight. Yeah, so real quick on the Umar stuff. you met, I'm glad you mentioned the Sergey Morozov. Morozov was beating Umar and then... I believe it was a guillotine that he tapped to that I was like screaming at the TV wasn't mm-hmm. on. Please don't tap to this. This is not a real submission. Like you're okay. Didn't work out that way. And then Morozov got cut despite like having a fairly good UFC run in there, which I thought was weird. I don't understand why that happened. I wouldn't even hate like this is obviously, you know, not financial advice, but little sprinkle on Almakan money line just in case something crazy happens at that odds. Again, we're just trying to have fun on this card, guys. This is not the best betting spot we have, but to go to my callback about, you know, guys don't look like they should have cardio, but do. Vitor Petrino, he's got four fights under the UFC banner, including the Contender Series. Two second-round wins, two second-round finishes, a third-round finish, dominant decision. You can get him in round two at plus 400, round three at plus 800 to fight Tyson Pedro. Tyson Pedro is 10-4 and four as a pro, has never won a fight that went longer than five minutes. Mm. 
Both guys got big power, but I think the easiest path to victory here for Petrino is just to take Pedro down, make him carry his weight, gas him out in the first round, then look for the finish later. Pedro is, in theory, a BJJ black belt, and he looks good for, like, brief stretches of grappling, but every time somebody takes the grappling to him, he is just totally gassed out after that. You can tell he has a kickboxing background. That's what he likes to do. He's comfortable moving around on the feet. He gets in those wrestling exchanges. The gas tank just drains immediately, so... If I'm Petrino or Petrino's coaches, whatever, it's let's take him down for the first round. Don't work too hard for a finish. Just wear him out second and third round. Get pretty good prices on those. Think even higher than some other books if you shop around, but plus 400, plus 800, about a quarter unit on each, more than enough for me. Yeah, Petrino, the clear A side of this fight to me, uh, the better prospect and, you know, six years younger. So the UFC is going to be trying to push him, move him up the rankings. They gave it a shot with Tyson Pedro. He's probably better suited for the WWE than the UFC. Uh, moving on to our best bets. Uh, I'm going with another over one and a half here. Minus 110. I like it up to about minus 125. Christopher Leore Duncan, CLD against Claudio Ribeiro. Duncan is the better striker, but he's a bit of a karate guy. And when they are at striking range, he's going to try to be at distance or he's going to try to be all the way in clinching up. Uh, Ribeiro throws a lot of power, does not have much cardio, really going to fall off a cliff in the second half of the fight. And I think Duncan either finishes in the latter half of the fight or wins a pretty clear decision. But at range, I think Duncan is going to be staying as far away as possible, trying to kick him across the cage or jab him, or he's going to be clinching him up against the fence, trying to exhaust him, tiring him out. And they're going to be switching positions. I can see a lot of stalling time in this fight, a lot of time ticking off the clock. And frankly, if somebody finishes it in the first seven and a half minutes, I think it's likelier to be Ribeiro with a big power shot where he just catches Duncan. So Duncan Ribeiro over one and a half at a pick and price. So I said, I like that up to about minus 125. Billy, you're going with a fighter to win inside the distance is your best bet this week. I am, yeah. It's just, this is more, it's not even like a technical read. It's just, I can't believe the difference between his money line and his inside the distance. And that's Eric Anders. who's coming up around like minus 500 in some spots now. Not quite, but getting there. And then plus 130, plus 135, depending on where you look inside the distance against Jamie Pickett. Anders has finished more than half of his UFC wins. He's finished four out of seven. And Pickett is, to put it mildly, not really UFC level. He's on a four-fight losing streak. He's been finished in three of those. We'll give him a pass losing to Bo Nickel. Like, in in theory, based on how long it lasted, he actually did better against Bo Nickel than anyone else did. Bo Nickel grabbed the fence, didn't you see? Didn't you see Jamie's what? Pickett's tweets about Bo grabbing the fence? He Wasn't cheated. that the one where Bo uh, need him in the groin as well? I believe that was the same fight. And, like, cool, like, he might have and probably did, but you weren't beating Bo Nickel anyway. That's not why that was happening. But, anyway, I digress. He's also been submitted by Kyle Dawkins, who Eric Anders beat in a grappling match, and Kyle's long since out of the UFC. Dennis Tialulian, who I probably said that wrong, who went 1-4 and four in the UFC, only win was against Jamie Pickett, and he finished it. And then he made went to the distance against Josh Fram in his last one. Good for him, but he, the man's on an 0-4 streak. And I thought, well, you know, Eric Anders has been around a long time. Maybe Pickett's getting better. You know, that last one looked better than it had been before. I can kind of see if that's why. They're like 14 months apart in age, with Anders is only slightly older. So I don't think Anders plays with his food here. He's one and three in his last four. Like, he's just going to get it done kind of by whatever he wants. He's a better athlete, former football player at University of Alabama. Believe some NFL experience, like practice squad or something like that. Better athlete, better takedowns, hits harder. The, really, the only path here for Pickett is like dancing around for 15 minutes and trying to jab him to death, which 
Anders is just going to football tackle him and fix that anyway. So this one should be a lot closer to the minus 500 or so money line. Wouldn't take that money line on an unreliable guy like Anders, but getting plus money for him to finish makes total sense. And then Anders, a little bit of a cardio risk. Like I've been saying, if you think you can hedge out with Pickett live after that, also an option. To me, Jamie Pickett just doesn't do anything. His best skill is cage pushing and holding people (laughs) up against the fence, and that doesn't get scored anymore. Um, He has a five-inch reach advantage, will not make any use of it whatsoever. So another fight where we see, you know, the – the fighter who needs to get inside with more power uh, probably has a chance of clinching Pickett. Pickett's dur- durability also seems to be going too. He used to be like a pretty durable guy who I would bet to go to a decision or at least survive. He doesn't seem to be able to take any damage anymore either. So yeah, I would want to lean to the over here, but it's over two and a half at like juiced up. You know, if this was over one and a half minus 110, I'd probably bet the over, not at two and a half juice to the over. No, thank you. So probably agree with you, Billy on Anders to win inside the distance. Uh, and also, Anders on the money line, frankly, minus 500. I think that should be minus 900. He, he's really like a 90% favorite in this fight. I'd probably use him as a parlay piece as well. Uh, I could see him, you know, d- the only way you lose your bet, Billy, honestly, I think Anders has like fight IQ issues sometimes. And as you also said, the cardio stuff, I could see him landing like big damaging strikes and then clinching or going for a takedown, and you're just screaming at the TV, like, what are you doing? Just, like, square up and hit him. So he, he tends to do that stuff sometimes. It drives me nuts. I feel like the Darren Stewart fight, he had Stewart hurt and then was, like, shooting for takedowns. And you're like, what are you doing? So, uh, yeah, interesting interesting angle there. Uh, expecting a fair amount of violence this week, I think. You know, despite all these big favorites, I bet a few overs. All the other fights, though, I think may end inside the distance. That'll do it for us. For the UFC Vegas 87 betting preview presented by BetMGM, I'm Sean Zarillo. Thank you for joining me, Billy Ward. You can find all of our picks in the Action Network app. I'll be firing them in there before the card on Saturday. Best of luck with all of your bets. Card starts at 1.30 p.m. We'll see you next week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.